Well, good morning, church. How's everyone this morning? Looking so good today. Um, what a privilege that it is to just be able to uh, be up here and, and talk to you guys uh, this morning. If you know, Pastor Derek is, is on a sabbatical. We sent him on a sabbatical, took his phone away and said, leave. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we sent him away uh, just to be able to take some time for the next four weeks to just um, be able to rest and some, spend some time with the Lord and His family. Um, and so many times you're up here, and when you're doing this week after week, it, it really takes a pouring out. Um, and uh, it's the first time he's ever taken one. So be in prayer for him over the next few weeks that he would actually rest. Because uh, how many of you know when you go on vacation, it takes like forever to actually, usually when you come off of a vacation, you're ready to go on vacation because you just got your mind right. <laughs> um, but no, um, it's not really vacation. It's a time for him to just spend time with the Lord. And uh, so let's just be in prayer for, for them. And then also, uh, we've been in a, a series called this First Thessalonians. We've been going um, verse by verse. We're going to pick that up next week and finish that up. Um, but today, uh, we have the privilege. Ryan Miller's here with us today. Him and his, his, his wife, Stacy, and their kids. Uh, they left. They've got four little ones, and they were getting restless, and they're like two services now. Um, <laughs> so uh, be praying for Stacy. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about something today and kind of give a little prelude into a series, a little mini-series that we're going to do after First Thessalonians called Big Questions. And we... Are, are really in a society now where um, faith, if, if you pay attention, our, the, the faith of Christianity is really under attack, and, it, and it's been under attack. It's nothing new. We're just starting to feel it a little bit here in the United States, um, and we're going to get into some of that here in just a minute, um, and we're going to talk about uh, one question that came up in a, really in a conversation with us this week over breakfast, um, just talking about just the things that they face. So if you don't know about Ryan, he's an evangelist um, that works on Colorado State University. And uh, they, they share the gospel six days a week uh, on the university campus. And so with that comes a lot. And he's going to talk a little bit about that. But I want to read a verse of scripture before we get into anything else. And it just says this. We find it in Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, he, meaning Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And, and we really, what we want to do today is, you know, it, it talks about... Christ gave the church evangelists, pastors, was evangelist, pastor, we dual team today, and I'm going to try to do our best to talk about this topic together. Um, but we really want to equip you to be able to stand up for your faith. And, and one thing that we talked about this week, we found is really just the validity of Scripture. Yeah. And you see a lot of people going, 
oh, the Bible's an ancient book. It's not for today. Um, and we want to spend the next few minutes talking about that because we truly believe the Bible is for today. And it's, it's the, been the same throughout. And we want to spend a few minutes just talking about that. But before we get into that, Ryan, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about what you guys do and yeah. how you accomplish kind of the mission of, that y'all have been doing there at Colorado State for, man, how many years now? 17 as a full-time 17 evangelist. 17 years. Wow. Um, 14 at CSU. Okay. I began at the University of Arizona where I became a Christian. I grew up here in Sheboygan and went to Southside Alliance, but I always missed the true meaning of what it means to give your life to Christ. But uh, I did that when I was uh, 22 years old. And I, it, it's funny, I had a lot of scripture in me from childhood. And when I got saved, a lot of this stuff just started rolling out of, off my lips. I'd, I'd, I, I mean, the month that I got saved, I just started doing evangelism. I'd clock out at five o'clock at work and go do evangelism. And really haven't stopped since. I absolutely, I absolutely love talking to strangers about Jesus. That's, that's my home base. That's where I want to be. I, How many uh, of you in here love talking to strangers about Jesus? Just love talking to strangers, period. <laughs> Here's kind of why I like talking to strangers is because there's not an investment there. They can't really hurt you because there's, there's no relationship. It, sure. If you, or like my wife, she would rather she talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She could. <laughs> But she, she could talk to anybody on the phone that she knows, but yeah. if it comes to calling somebody that she doesn't know, she's like, will you make this call? I'm like, sure. Anyways, what we do is uh, I, I lead up a team of 24 campus evangelists. Uh, 90% of them got saved through our campus ministry and felt called to go into full-time ministry. And, uh, you know, it's not all too complex. We take a gospel track. We go out to the sideways in front of the dorms. Uh, and, and the main thoroughfares of campus, and we are just out there stopping students, saying, hey, would you have two minutes? We could ask you two quick questions about eternity, or maybe walk up to them and say, hey, I have a message from God for you. Not in a weird way, but I've got a message from God about who Jesus is. He is God. And ask him um, two quick questions. Do you believe that you'd go to heaven if you were to, to die today? And then if so, why do you believe that? And on the second page, after that second question, it lists about six different religious type of answers. I'm a good person. I've never hurt anybody. I keep the Ten Commandments. I go to church. I mentally agree with who God is. And then a track says, this might surprise you. But according to the Bible, those five printed answers cannot get someone into heaven. It's only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by the surrender of your life to his lordship and then from there, um, this past year, we approached with that message 46,000 students at wow. Colorado State and Northern Colorado. And from those 46,000, we were able to make a full gospel presentation with them with 13,000 of them. Wow. And then from there, we try to establish weekly Bible studies to bring the Word of God into that relationship because that takes it to another level. Faith, faith is created by hearing the Word of God. And so I can share the gospel with them, but my goal is, hey, man, uh, would you have time next week for a half hour? I can op we can open up the Bible, and I can show you what I've just been describing to you. And then this year we taught over 2,000 evangelistic Bible studies that way and saw uh, 50 students pray to give their life to Jesus. And uh, 
Really, that's what the day looks like. For me, I'm answering the phone. I'm help training some evangelists, going into a Bible study scenario. How do I answer this? How do I answer that? Here, here's a big question in this particular instance and mm-hmm. try to help young evangelists do their job well and biblically and answering things correctly. But then also I get, I get a chance to go do it myself. Yeah. I'll take one of the younger guys who's just starting off. I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's go share the gospel. Yeah. And there's an impartation there as some experience can help a younger person. But just want to thank the church for your generosity and giving. And uh, that, that's pretty much what we do. On, on Sunday mornings, I kind of put on, a, as you know, an associate pastor's hat. But my main job throughout the week is sharing the gospel. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And we've, I think we've been partners with you guys for about seven years, you said. Yeah. And uh, what, a, what a blessing to be a part of that getting to be able to be a part of that is, is awesome to be able to hear from you guys every year what God is doing, and um, that's just a blessing to, to hear that. Um, you know, and we were, we were talking this week, we, we talked about this question about the validity of Scripture and, you know, is the Bible relevant today? And being on a college campus, interacting with students, uh, at a very secular university, um, I'm sure you get that question often. Yeah. Um, and so why don't we spend the next few minutes just talking about what is, what is, the, what is the answers to that? What are the answers to that? How do we, how do we back that up? Um, and how do we not only back that up just for us to talk, but to... Um, for all of us to be built up in knowing um, that we can trust Scripture and that when we're asked about Scripture, that we know how to be able to present that yeah. where it's like, no, Scripture is true and here's why. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really important topic. Uh, the book of Jude talks about fighting for the faith, for the doctrine of the faith, fighting for the, the truth of the faith, and it's, it's really important. Um, you know, for the college student that I can't just turn them around and say, look at the Rocky Mountains and how beautiful that is. You don't think God created that? For that particular person, you got to be able to defend the power of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. And, and I've, you know, jotted down just a few things that mm-hmm. I've used in ministry to, to help defend the, the Bible as, as God's inspired Word, the truth. Like the fact that it can historically and archaeologically stand up to debate. Uh, the fact that uh, we, we had a Bible teacher come through our church, and he had taken tons of photos of where Joshua uh, led the Israelites around Jericho, you know, and described where they went in. Uh, what, uh, like, just the, the practical things about it, the, 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 the lay of the land, the, the how, just what the Bible says about the geography of it stands up. And all the, the, the things archaeologically, this is the area I know the least about. Sometimes if you just say the word archaeologically, they kind of let you go. So I, anyways, I hadn't <laughs> had to go too deep into that. But just the way that uh, history, geography, archaeology is just defending uh, the things that we read about, especially in the Old Testament, um, it, it, it holds its own. Uh, another thing that I focus on a little bit more than that is uh, the, me- the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament that have been fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, I believe there's roughly 60 um, 
For example, uh, 700 years before Christ, uh, Micah had prophesied the place where Jesus would be born, Bethlehem. Uh, also, 700 years before, around the same time, Isaiah had prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin birth. Um, that also, another prophet prophesied that his hands and his feet would be pierced. Another prophesied that not a bone of his shall be broken on the cross. Another prophesied uh, the amount of money, 30 pieces of silver, that Ju Judas would use to betray Jesus into the hands of his murderers. Uh, the, 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 the fulfillments of the, the prophecies from years and years and years and years prior is substantially evident evidence. Uh, there was a man, uh, a mathematician, who went to work on this study. He wrote a book called Science Still Speaks. His name is uh, Peter Stoner. And what they did is they, they, through their equations, figured out the probability of one human being throughout history fulfilling just eight uh, messianic prophecies, just one person fulfilling that. And they, they said one, it'd be to the 10th, to the 17th power. I, I mix it up. So one with 17 zeros at the end of it is the probability, one out of 10 to the 17th power. Mm. And to, to try to make that more understandable, they, they came up with an example. That would be like covering the state of Texas two feet deep in silver, silver dollars and then taking one silver dollar and painting it or marking it and randomly throwing it somewhere in Texas and then blind blindfolding a human being and that person going throughout the state of Texas and picks out that one. Wow. It's, it's the math on that. And that's just six or eight out of over 60 Messianic prophecies. And so the fulfillment, Christ, Christ came. Uh, the word became flesh to dwell among us to where uh, Simeon in the temple, a man so led by the Holy Spirit, he saw Mary walking in with a baby and he came up. He said, now I can rest since I've seen the Messiah. That Jesus came in the fulfillment of, of Scripture. The amazing consistency of the Gospels. The eyewitness accounts. I just want to read a scripture for you in Luke. Uh, Luke was a very specific guy. He was, he was a physician. He was a doctor. And, and the book of Luke begins, it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, Jesus, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So Luke also wrote the book of Acts. He was very specific. But he said, I, wanna, I investigated this. I want to write it out to you in consecutive order so that you might know the exact truth, not wondering, not kind of, not what if. He was saying so that you will know the exact truth. He begins Acts chapter 1 saying, Jesus appeared to us after his sufferings by many convincing proofs over a period of 40 days speaking with his followers. The very people that saw him crucified on the cross 
He appeared to them after his suffering. Spent 40 days with him. By many convincing proofs. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter talked about uh, the, the, uh, the, the Mount of Transfiguration where they heard from the Father, when they heard from glory, where he said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Peter heard that. Peter saw these things. Luke investigated it so that we would know. Our, our faith is based on evidence. Our faith is based on over 500 eyewitnesses at that time who told that story on through the generations. If somebody goes to Lambeau Field and comes back from the Packer game and tells me that Aaron Rodgers threw four touchdowns today, two to, to Devontae Adams and two to Equinemius St. Brown, I am going to have a tendency to believe the report because they were there. Now, some people can struggle with that, but if there's an eyewitness, why, not, why question that? They were there. And that's what we have in Scripture, the Gospels and the, the epistles and those writers. And, and the, the, the one I love talking about the most, the resurrection of Christ from the dead and how the resurrection of Christ, an encounter you know, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, and people were transformed after the resurrection and the, the infilling of the Spirit of God. People's lives were changed. Peter, Peter went from someone who lied to the, the slave girl while he was warming himself while Jesus was being led to his crucifixion uh, the, the night before. He, Peter, I mean, he denied being with Jesus three times, and the rooster crowed, right? Well, after, after the resurrection of the dead, after Peter ran to the tomb and he found that the stone was rolled away and his body isn't there and those binding sheets that they wrapped him in was just a hollow, empty shell and the face cloth that they put over his face was rolled up and at the end, and Peter knew he had risen from the dead. You know, it, it says that John began first, but then Peter ran on ahead of him because in his heart, he, he was going, if Jesus is alive, I got a second chance at this. If, if he rose from the dead, this changes everything. And it did. And then we see on the day of Pentecost, who was the one that got up on the stump in the middle of the campus, if you will, and began to preach this Jesus whom you've crucified to thousands of people. He's the one who gets up and is preaching about who Jesus was and says that all mankind should repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children, for all those who are far off as many as the Lord will call to himself. It was Peter. He was transformed. Those guys were transformed because of the resurrection. And many of those men at the face of death saying, renounce this message of the risen king. Renounce this Christianity, this way that you speak of. Many of those 500 eyewitnesses at the face of death would not renounce it. They would not back down. They said goodbye to wives and children. Many of them got killed before they were martyred, and they did not back down. Peter said, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my King Jesus was. At the face of death, these eyewitnesses said, take my life. I will not renounce what I know is true, what I've seen with my eyes, what I've heard with my ears, and they would not back down. You don't back down for a what if. Or you don't give your life for a myth, a what if, a tale, a story. 
they were absolutely convinced. The eyewitnesses gave their life because of how convinced they were. That convinces me. And the fact that the Word of God is living and active, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's piercing between soul and spirit of joint and marrow, even now. People are getting saved in, in every city, every, every country, uh, across the world. Why? Because the Word of God is alive, it's active. Lives are being transformed. Addictions are being broken. People are being raised from the dead across the world because of the power of the resurrection. It's bearing fruit. The kingdom of heaven is advancing, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. And there's fruit of it. Amen. That's, that's the one thing, you know, you can talk about the Bible will back itself up by archaeological finds. So we can talk about the scientific side. Uh, we can talk about the historical side of everything. Um, the uh, precision of the writers. Yeah. I mean, the Bible is spread out over thousands of years in its writing, and the precision of all the writers um, is supernatural consistency. But the thing for me that hits home so hard is the changed lives. You yeah. see it in Scripture. You see, you know, um, people who died for the, the gospel, the sake of Christ. But even to this day, um, it's something to read about it, and it's another thing to see it happening today still. And we don't experience this in America. Uh, we don't experience persecution. Um, you know, our persecution may be just being told no and, and yeah. rejected when trying to share the gospel. But um, I had a friend who just got back from uh, serving in the Middle East um, and then another brother-in-law who's there now. And uh, I was talking to the, to the friend of mine who just got back, and he was explaining just some of the things he encountered while he was there. Um, and he said, you know, he said, even in Iraq, he, and he served in Iraq for a while. Um, they have a zone that's considered a green zone where Christians and Muslims can, they can coexist in the same area. But if you go south of that line and you are found with a Bible, just found, if, if there's a Bible found in your house, not only will they kill you, but they will kill your, your children, your wife, anyone who's there. They'll kill all of you without even nothing, just not even, not even worrying about it. Um, the persecution of the church is real, but, but the, the statement and the thing that sticks with me is that these people know that. So they have found something that's not only worth giving their life up, but knowing that it could be their, their wife, their their husband, their, their sons, their daughters. I've got a wife, and I've got two sons and a daughter. And putting myself in those shoes and going, okay, this is happening today. If I were to walk through the streets of Iraq with this in my hand, would I be willing to still stand up and say, yes, by all means, I am a Christian. I have found life yeah. in Christ and I would not deny Jesus, knowing that not only does that put a target on my back, but the, the target's on the back 
of my wife and my children. That, that hits home. These people have found something. These people have, in the scriptures have found something. So we can talk about how the Bible will stand on its own feet, yeah. archaeologically, um, scientifically, how it backs itself up. But the fact that people are going, no. The fact that Peter saying, you know what, crucify me upside down. Yeah. I'm not even worth being crucified the same way. The cost of that. These people have, a tr have had a true encounter with Christ. Yeah. And they believe what they are saying. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing that we have to wrestle with. That's the thing that the wrestling of being put in the same situation. Have I had that encounter with Christ? Do I know Christ that way? That, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of a God who has saved me, who has sacrificed their life for me. Yeah. And knowing that he is the hope for that. Um, that's one of the big things for me in, in yeah. that. Yeah, it's amazing to think about what really really does go on around the world. The way that people's everyday life is in danger because of yep. the Bible. And you think about the warfare over the Bible. It's because of the power of God unto salvation yep. to those who believe. Because it is the Word of God, there's so much warfare over the Scripture itself. And I mean, I've I faced some persecution on campus, you know, a couple times. People have spat on me a couple times, have been growled at by angry people. I've been some goofy things here and there. But man, is it nothing compared to what people go through. Um, I mean, it's just almost laughable. Yeah. It's, it's nothing what we go through here and to know that we have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ whose life is on the line to to have a Bible to stand up for Christianity to stand up for the truth and you, you, you read about these martyrs and you go or I think they have such an eternal perspective mm -hmm. and they have such a passion for Jesus to say goodbye you know, my, my wife is one of the most passionate Christians I've met. It, 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 if I was at the face of something like that, you know what my wife would say? She'd say, I'll see you later. Because of an eternal perspective. And, mm. and where, where do we get that passion as believers? To stand firm no matter what. For me, it just comes by remembering daily the price that Jesus paid for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I was named The Passion of the Christ, that movie, because of the passion, the passion that Jesus had to endure till the end. And he calls us to endure till the end. That's the challenge of Scripture in Matthew 23, those who endure till the end. But where do we get that zeal? It's what I think about. When, 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 they, when they crushed a crown of thorns into Jesus' head and the blood was dripping down, it stung his eyes. It came into his mouth. He didn't like the taste of it. When, when, when they, 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 they took the cat of nine tails and they just destroyed his back and ripped out his flesh, he did that because he looked to a people like us and said they need to be saved. When they whipped him, when they mocked him, when they scourged him, when they bruised him, when they placed the, crown, the, the, the nails through his hands and the nails through his feet so that the, the victim could push up off the bottom nail, 
and take a breath. That's why they broke the, the legs of the, the two next to Jesus so that they would suffocate. But it was prophesied that not a bone of his shall be broken. The sin of the world, the emotion was placed on Jesus' heart. Every dark, nasty sin that this world has ever committed and the emotion that goes with it that was placed on his heart. Many theologians and Bible scholars believe that his heart exploded the way that stress has an effect on heart rate and blood pressure. They believe that's why Jesus' legs didn't need to be broken because he was already dead. They placed that spear in his side and there was a separation of water and blood because he'd already died. But to think about what he went through for us, that's where I get passion. That's where I get a zeal to just keep going in the days I don't want to go. When I know it's going to be three quarters are going to say no, I'm looking for the one that's going to say yes. We get that passion. But then also, am I passionate about the Bible? If people are dying because they have a Bible in their homes, how about me as a Christian? Do I long for the Word? Do, do I cherish the Bible? Do I love the Bible? Do I love every scripture about it? Do I love, husband, lay down your wife for your wife, your life for your wife. Everything that Jesus did for the body of Christ, you do for your wife. Wives, do you, do you love the scripture where it says submit in the same way as Christ? Do you, do you submit to your husband? Do, do you love that scripture? Do we love the Bible? I love the Bible. The, the, the scriptures that challenge me and the scriptures that encourage me, I've come to learn if it's in the word of God, it's going to produce order, peace, joy, the fruit of the spirit. It's going to bring the order. Do we love the Bible? Yeah. Gives me a passion for it. You hit on something in the first service. Um, <clears throat> Where you talked about trying to engage um, a a young person nowadays it is really hard because of this yeah. technology, entertainment, and how it's so hard to even get their attention. You, you said you know they have earbuds in, and you're kind of like, hey, hey, can I can I talk to you for a <laughs> second? You know, kind of startling them, and. Um, <clears throat> You talked about it just being a, an inconvenience to interrupt my, what I've got going on. And, yeah. um, you know, we got to talking about how this, this world is full of options and how the enemy is so clever. He's so sharp. Um, he can rob you without, with you feeling like you're having a great time. And I even find myself, when you were talking about that, um, I'm like, how many times have I looked at my device and I read sports articles, I love sports, I was one of the crazy people following where's Kawhi going to go and reading yeah. about different Me free too. agency stuff. and. You know, and hours and hours go into that in a week, and you're just like, what am I doing? I'm spending so much time. Or you find a funny video, and you just keep on following the trail. Um, some of you, maybe you just like cats, and you just, every cat video <laughs> you can find, you're just watching every cat video. You know, but the thing is, 
we're so entertained. We're so entertained that we're not effective. We're so entertained that we're not effective. We're, we're, we're just escaping away. And I go back to that scripture that I, that I read at the very beginning in Ephesians 4. Um, and it's like Ephesians 4, 14. Um, being tossed back and forth and by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness. It, the thing is, being tossed to and fro, yeah. it, sometimes it's not physical. You're not physically going through anything. It's going, I'm being tossed by the next video, the next article, the next piece of information, the next show to watch on TV, the next... Uh, sporting event to be a part of, uh, the next thing to be entertained, and, and the whole time it's taking away from that intimacy with the Father, taking away from spending time with the Father. Because you don't get to the point where you're willing to give up your life without spending time with someone. And reading Scripture is spending time with the Father. Yeah. And the more you withdraw from that, when you're presented with, so how do you know the Bible's true? Or do you really believe that? Instead of being, being able to give a passionate answer, you're going to be confused in yourself because there's some great arguments intellectually. Yeah. They're great arguments. But if you're not grounded in the relationship, grounded in the faith, you're going to be tossed around. And so... I would just encourage you to, church, to, to pay attention to what the time is that you're spending your time on. Are you carving out time to, to spend time with the Lord in Scripture, in prayer? Because it's a relationship. And, you know, if I didn't spend time with my wife for, for days and days and days, <laughs> there, would, there would be no relationship. You know, maybe i knock it off every year around yeah. Easter and go, hey, honey, good to see you. It's Easter. Time to have a conversation. <laughs> see you next year. Yeah. It, but it's like this casual check-in whenever I want. Or, or if, if I ever just were to come to my spouse whenever something's going wrong. You know what? I'm really struggling right now. Can you give me some advice? Yeah. And, and, and there's no relationship there. It's just take. And... The thing is, God has given us everything that we need, and then some. You know, yeah. Jesus gave us it all. Yeah. Everything that we could ever need, he gave it to us. Um, I mean, is there anything else you want to add to just, just that? With Well, this young generation that I work with, they're, they're looking for what to do. They're, they're looking for purpose. They don't know what to do. And in sharing the gospel with them and, and, and coming to know the Lord and spend time with the Lord, I kind of equate it to like this. When my wife and I were first engaged, she could look at me from across the room in a social setting and try to give me a look or say something non-verbally, and I'm like, I, I have no idea what you're saying. But now after spending... There's some people have been married for years. They're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now after 12 years, she, at a social event, she can give me a look. You'd and I could write three pages on what she just said. Yeah. My back's hurting. The kids, sure. are, I need help. I, can we please go now? Yep. Without a word. Why? Because yeah. I spent time with her. Yeah. 
And spending, we got to fight to spend time with the things of God, with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is here in this dispensation. There were 2,000 years of the fathers, right? Adam to Abraham. 2,000 years of the sons. Isaac to Jesus. It's been 2,000 years. These are the days of the Holy Spirit. He's the one here. Do we spend time with the Holy Spirit and, and getting in the Word and reading the Bible? That's where, where what to do next, the mysteries become unlocked in the presence of God. I'll share this testimony. When our first son was born, his name is Andrew, but I wanted to name him Ryan Jr. And in prayer, the Lord spoke to me very clearly, no, name your second son Ryan Jr. I said, okay. So he spoke to me two promises. You can name your second, and you will have a second. And I share that with people, and they're like, how did you hear that? And I go, it just was in his presence. Jesus, he he didn't just save us so that we could be forgiven of our sin. Mm -hmm. He saved us so that we can know him. We can spend time in his presence. We can hear his voice of what to do. One day I was walking through the residence hall, and I walked past a student, and I heard the word mono in my spirit bubble up to my mind. Mono. So I turned to the kid. I go, hey, excuse me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but do you happen to have mono? He goes, yeah, I got diagnosed with it two days ago. And I go, can I pray for you? He goes, yeah. So I laid my hands on him. I said, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray you'd heal him. I'm sorry. He was diagnosed the day before. And then two days later, I saw him again. He said, all of my symptoms are completely gone. I said, can I tell you about who healed you? You know what he said? No, thanks. I was like, what? You got supernaturally healed of mono. And he grabbed his phone. I mean, it's a, it's a generation living on their screens. Yeah. It's a generation just satiated, satisfied with the things of this world, the technology of this world. All this. It's a generation that taps their toes waiting for the microwave to be done in 20 seconds. You know, I wasn't like that when I was in college. Yeah. But this generation is... It's, it, it's really a fight for time, even the time, the, the, the space in their mind to get the gospel in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as we do, that, the word of God goes in there and it penetrates and it begins to accomplish the work. But that's a, there's no doubt, it's a distracted generation. Everybody's got their earbuds in, connected to their smartphone. I can't tell you how many times we hear the testimony from a student that got saved. He goes, I saw the campus evangelist, so I put my earbuds in real fast so they wouldn't <laughs> talk to me. It's pretty funny. Oh, man. You know, one thing I just want to add right here to the tail end of this, um, and I feel like the Lord wanted me to share this. Church, I'll talk to parents and even grandparents because you have some influence in this as well. Um, we are a people that is flooded with information, absolutely flooded. You can find out information about anything and then some. But I feel like what we're lacking is how to process the right information, how to, how to truly look and go, that's right. And if you are a parent or a grandparent and you have the influence in your child's life, you only get a short window, very short window. Time's ticking yeah. as soon as they're born. And the thing that you have to teach your kids is how to process 
the right information, how to process right from wrong, how to show them what a relationship with Christ looks like. And that's up to us. That's up to us to do. And I just want to encourage you in that to, to slow down the tossing back and forth the best you can because every one of us are leading people. Every one of us are leaders of, of someone, whether that's children, um, leading our spouse, whatever that looks like. And we have to learn to be the people that's, that's leading well, and, but taking care of our relationship first. You know, I mean, Ryan evangelizes for a living. Right. I'm a pastor for a living. You know, we, we're, we're, we're doing the work of the ministry, right? But we can't forget what the most important work is, and that's our ministry at home to our family. That's the most important thing. And sometimes it's actually really hard because, like, I've been ministering to people all day. Talking all day. And talking all day. Can I just have a moment of quiet? And, and you, you got to forget. You, I mean, you can't forget that I've got to switch out my hat. I'm leading another group of people, and this is the most important ones that I've got. Like, if I can't, I know a, a preacher's son who, who wrote a book, my, my father, uh, How My Father Saved the World But Lost His Family. What a depressing book and what a depressing oh, title. I don't even have to read it to be, to know what that is. And that scares me to death. And so just, uh, I just want to encourage you with that today to, to maybe sit down and, re and look at priorities. Where are they falling? But then also, I just want to give you some resources before we, we go today. We're, we're running out of time. And so I want to be respectful of that. Just some resources to further this conversation about, about Scripture and the validity of Scripture. And so if you're a researcher and you like uh, doing those things, here's a, here's a freebiblecommentary.org. Uh, this is Bob Utley's site. He comes here uh, yearly, every other year, and speaks with us. And uh, is just a great uh, modern-day theologian. He's a professor of hermeneutics. On his site, he talks a lot about um, the validity of Scripture and backing that up. Also, there's a, a site called CapturingChristianity.com. Um, this is actually a friend of Pastor Stevens who started this. And it's, it's an apologetic site, and uh, it's a great site um, to help you in, in just being encouraged of, of, of just the faith and the Scriptures uh, and the validity of that. And then two books. Uh, one is On Guard by William Lane Craig. And then the other is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. A little bit about that one. Lee Strobel was a lawyer who got tired of listening about Jesus and, and, and Christ. And so he, uh, he, he set out in his lawyer ways to investigate and to debunk the Bible. And so in that, he became a Christian. Because what he realized was, in all of his research, was the Bible has to be true. There is, it stands for itself. And so he writes about that. Um, but church, could we stand for a minute? I want to pray for Ryan um, and his family before uh, they're going to be heading home to Colorado. Um, but let's just pray for them just as they go in, in, in their, their work. Father, we just thank you, God, so much for Ryan and 
just him taking time to be here with us today and just share, Father, what you're doing at Colorado State and through the other partners at the other campuses. Father, thank you for their work. God, thank you for the burden that you've given them for lost souls. And God, I just pray, God, that you would encourage them. You would encourage Ryan, Stacy. Lord, as they're even traveling back today, Lord, as they're coming off vacation, to just be rejuvenated and revived. Father, I pray, Lord, that they would be excited about what it is that they're doing. And Lord, just uh, be refreshed through this time. Yes. God, I just pray, Father, for their family. God, that you would protect them. Yes. God, you would protect their, uh, their emotions. God, um, with so many things that go into just witnessing to people, God, protect their emotions, protect their minds, protect their hearts. Father, I also just pray, God, that you would just um, bless them, Father, Lord, they, or they would have no lack for anything, that they would, all their physical needs would be taken care of. God, that they would not have to worry about um, where their next paycheck is going to come from. But God, you, you would bless their family, uh, Lord, for provision so that they can continue to do the work, God, that you've called them to do. Lord, I pray, I pray blessings on their health and um, bless their children, Father. And we just thank you, God, for the partnership we have with them, with them, God. And we just love you. We thank you for orchestrating all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys you. give Ryan just a hand clap this morning. Thank you, Ryan, so Thank much. You. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.